Chronic pain can be a debilitating condition. Commonly prescribed drugs like opioids are highly addictive, and they are potentially deadly. But what about using marijuana for pain relief? Could that help address the opioid crisis? Hey, you want to get high, man? We need to talk about something called grass. Not that grass. I'm talking about marijuana. A new weapon in the fight against chronic pain and opiate abuse. Yesterday, the Department of Health announced that chronic pain can be treated with medical marijuana. I got some stuff you just gotta try. What is it? Pot. You know, marijuana. I'm in my car. I'm high as a kite. I'm listening to rock and roll. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Action. Hello! Thank you, everybody, for joining me on this premiere episode. Welcome to the Amateur Stoner. I am Philip, your host. And there's some people I really need to thank. First, I need to start by thanking Limitless Broadcasting for bringing you this podcast. Then also, their very own Robbie and Sammy. I first heard them on their podcast, The Painful Truth of Living with Chronic Pain. And I also listened to their other podcast, You Can't Kill a Boogeyman, which both podcasts are fantastic. And also, Sammy has a podcast with her best friend called, I believe, The Pixie Dust Twins. So check all those shows out, especially if you have chronic pain. Check out that first one I mentioned, The Painful Truth of living with chronic pain. It's it's a great, great podcast. And they are very informative. Well, now shall we dive in? I just have to say that cannabis changed my life for the better. Is it expensive? Yes. But this is how I transitioned from being an opiate addict prescription painkillers, then from Vicodin and Norco to Dilaudid to fentanyl patches. I suffer from chronic pain myself from fibromyalgia. And um, I had a family doctor who originally prescribed me Vicodin and Norco when I was 17. Now, how that started, I was 15. My dad passed away. He was 48, massive heart attack. So, I didn't deal with that very well, and I already, I already dealt with anxiety and depression as a teenager, and that kind of just made everything worse. My mom tried to send me to a psychologist, but I wasn't having it because I wasn't going to have a stranger tell me what they think, and they don't know anything about me. Well, I was a kid. Didn't know any better, of course. Now the story today, I have a therapist that I really like, and I will be seeing twice a week to help me with some past issues that I really need to resolve. But so basically, I was getting tension headaches. And my family doctor sent me to a specialist, had a bunch of tests done. Everything came out negative. So, my mom one night gave me one of her Vicodin. 
she suffered from chronic pain uh, because she had a complete hysterectomy due to ovarian cancer. And she suffered from chronic pain from that. And our family doctor gave her the Vicodin originally for her for that. And I know, big mistake on her part. She would never have done it. She wasn't the best mom. I wasn't the best son. And I wasn't the best human being when I was an addict. So I'll just, I'm just clearing the air on that right now. Well, you know, I got high, of course. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And then my family doctor writes me a prescription for it. Like I said, I was 17. So my mom and me had a falling out. We, she had to sell the house. I moved in with my babcha, my grandmother, my mom's mom. And my mom moved in with this guy. This was about a couple years after my dad died. So it's been a couple years. And I would take one at night. I had a little ritual. Loved my little ritual. Till my cousin moved in. And yeah, I didn't want to deal with him. So I started taking pills during the day. So I was taking one twice a day. Then it went to three. And as you know, anyone who has been there two, three times a day and so forth and more and more and more until, you know, eventually I got to a point where I was at over 50 pills a day. Now, bad part is, I, you know, I lost everything, of course. When you're, when you're a slave to your addiction, you lose everything that matters to you that you put aside because the only thing that matters at that time is that drug. So after my my mom moved in back in with us, my babcha was dying of cancer and my mom got really sick. So I was taking care of both of them and I was working full time. This was before, no, this was before my addiction got really bad. I had a breakdown because no family, want, no relatives wanted to help. And I was doing it all by myself, taking care of two people and working. And I just broke down. And that's where the pills comforted me. So I started taking more and more. And after my babcha died, we moved in with my other grandmother lived there for a couple years and yes my mother and me were addicted together which was horrible all in itself and unfortunately there are so many other families that are like how my mom and myself were and i'm sorry to say i lost my mom in 2014 but at least she knew before she passed on that i got myself together and i had a place to live and I was off what I was doing. Now, we were homeless together. And since we were both addicted together, all we cared about was the pills. And that's all that mattered. That's what we lived for. That's, that's all that was on our minds when we woke up in the morning. We always kept counting them to make sure how many we had to keep track. And... If we would try to get money, yeah, we would panhandle. 
and we had to buy pills, we made sure we got money to pay for the pills first, then food came second, then money for bus and train to sleep on the train at night came third. So I, I want you guys to completely understand where I was in my, in my life at that point and how I transitioned from that. Well, this went on for many years. This started in 97. And then even at 2003, still had a family doctor, same one. My mom was in a nursing home for shattering her femur. I was engaged. That was my first time. We shared a studio apartment together, but I was still heavy in my addiction, big time. I mean, that's that's when it was really getting bad. I mean, this is when, this is at the point where I used to go to my doctor's office, wait outside for the doctor to come in, pull in, and then, boom, catch him. He would write me a prescription, be on my way. I shit you not. Yes, there's this this show is going to have a uh, language because that's how I roll. I I, I quite enjoy cursing, but I I'm going to try not to. Uh he he wrote like two to three scripts a week. I am not fucking kidding. I was well supplied. I could have made money if I wanted to. I'm serious. I could have made serious bank you know how many people told me that when i tell them how many pills i used to get i'm not proud oh my god i am not freaking proud of who i was but i was selfish i'm like i didn't care about money because money didn't matter if i didn't have those pills nothing mattered if i didn't have those pills when the girl i was with and her and myself we broke up I mean, it bothered me, but it didn't bother me to that extent because, like I said, I had my pills to comfort me. So my mom moved in with me after she left, after her femur healed up and she could walk. And guess what? Because since uh, pills came in numero uno, guess what we lost again? That's right. Our apartment, back on the fucking street again. But this time we're living out of, uh, we had a 05 Cavalier. This was in 2005. It was fairly new. It had like 20,000 miles on it. And, of course, within due time, we were living out of it. And, yeah, no, we didn't make any... Uh, monthly payments on it and we had the car for like four or five months maybe because we were never around the area where we had down for our address until we needed funds and we needed to get help so we went to the address and the bank so happened to be there with the repo men and i was talking to somebody next thing i hear my name I go outside with my mom, and it was some guy pulling off with the car. I'm like, with all her, just with all her shit in it. 
And I'm speechless. I'm like, what the hell just happened? That was our home that we didn't pay nothing on. And that was our fault. So I already know. We, like I said, pills took precedence over anything else. I mean, on my TikTok page, Cats and Cannabis, you see how it used to look compared to now. I mean, I've lost a lot of weight since I've been off of them. The picture I put up was from 2003. I was so heavy, but luckily I'm not that heavy anymore. It's it's all for a health perspective. But we became homeless again. This was the second time. And, you know, I was homeless off and on from, two, um, yes, 2000 to 2014 is when I finally got my own place. I'll explain how I got to the nursing home before that. Um, it all leads up to it, of course. So we were sleeping on the train again. And, you know, the funny thing is, I don't remember a whole lot between 2005 and 2013. I remember, you know, I remember some important bits and pieces, but I really know that the opiates destroyed stuff in my brain. <laughs> I know it did because I just... I'm not the same like I used to be, obviously, to, to myself. I don't talk to anybody who knew me when I was younger, so I, I can't really have comparison. But I began as a homeless, and like I said, from basically 2005 to 2013, I remember some things happening, like working here and there, taking care of my mom, but like a lot of stuff. Just, it's, we, you know, we finally got a place again, 2008. We're actually living at a YMCA in uh, Niles, Illinois. And, you know, you got some characters there, you know, besides ourselves. And we, we got there by luckily from someone that worked to, that worked in the municipal building to help. Others like ourselves who are less fortunate, homeless and such, and had to get them shelter. So he got us into the YMCA and we, we stayed there for, from it was, oh, it was 2006 to 2008. That's when we lived there. See, I told you, my memory isn't that best when I, if I'm going years back to certain things, because especially things I want to block out. And I worked, I was a nursing assistant and yes, I worked as a nursing assistant high. I couldn't work without it because of the severe withdrawal and my mood would be complete garbage. And I was the worst human being when I didn't have them. I wasn't the best human being on them. I definitely wasn't the best when I was off of them. I was a prick. I was a miserable human being. And this is why I couldn't keep a job because when I didn't have pills, I didn't give a shit, and I just didn't want to work because I wasn't going to be sick for nobody. 
And I, I lost who I was for a long time. And I'm still trying to find myself. So 2008, 2000, uh, between 2006 and 2008, we were at the Y. And between that time, I met this, this guy that took Dilaudid. He got it. He got pills illegally. He used to print up fake prescriptions and take them in. This, this is what this guy used to do. He was ballsy. Thought I was ballsy. He was ballsy. So I helped him once. I took him in, you know, got him in. He showed me how to shoot up Dilaudid. So I learned how to do that. And when I learned that, Everything I felt about Viking went out the window because I found my new best friend, Hydromorphone, a.k.a. name brand a lot. And that was heaven for me. That was, I can't describe it. It, it was the best feeling ever. I thought it was better than sex at the time. And I love sex. But now, unfortunately... I showed my mom this, and she wanted to learn. I said, no. I said, I'm not going to do that to you. So she kept nagging me, and so I showed her, and I still feel bad to this day. I have guilt. I have a lot of guilt, so I definitely don't need any more. And I'm working on all of this. I made my mistakes, like I said. I wasn't the best son. I wasn't the best human being. I'm still trying to be a better human being. Well, around 2010, yes, we lost that place too. And we had another car. A 98... Was it a 19? Yeah, 19... Yeah, it was a 98 Ford Contour. Gosh. I might, boy, I'm just having brain farts this morning. And we lived out of there for a little while. I I don't know how long. So she eventually got really sick. And to the hospital she went. And eventually put in a nursing home. And the car we had completely broke down. And we still owed money on that one. So yeah, two of them. See, lost all these places to live, lost a couple cars, all because of addiction. And our health went down the crapper too because of addiction. She ended up in, in a nursing home because her health just kept declining. I ended up homeless again, living outside for next three years, 2010 to 2013. I would sleep out in Northbrook, Illinois, where the nursing home was, where she was in, and that way I could see her. And I was using a walker at this time. Thank God I'm not using one now, but I used to use one. The pain was unbearable because I would I would take cardboard, put it on the ground to insulate the cold ground. And thank God uh, a friend of mine, who unfortunately passed cancer, got me a sleeping bag. And if it wasn't for that sleeping bag and my heavy coat someone gave me, there are great people out there. There are a lot, a lot of great people. You just, I realize you just, you have to be the good one 
sometimes first in order to see the good in others. And I need to keep remembering that. Well, finally, I moved into this nursing home in 2013. And I just wasn't happy. I, didn't, I had to learn to walk without a walker because I forgot the walker at the hospital. So I was learning to walk by myself without a walker. And I stopped taking the fentanyl patches that I got from a pain specialist because our family doctor ended up kicking us to the curb in 2006, I want to say. So he got us really addicted and just said, screw you guys. So I had to find my mom a new pain specialist. And yeah, we shared pills all the time. Like I, like I said, look at any family who has addiction together, especially the pills. They're going to be sharing off one another any chance they get. Now in 2013, after the withdrawal completed from the, the opiates, I still was so uncomfortable because of the pain from the fibromyalgia, the anxiety, and, you know, at, unfortunately, I didn't know what to do with myself then. I was stuck in this nursing home. And that's when I tried. Wait again, I should have mentioned, I'm so sorry. I wanted to mention now before this, before I was a pill head and everything, I was totally against cannabis or they called pot at the time of course which i understanding is not a good term anymore neither is marijuana but i like calling it cannabis because it's a good medicinal use for it because of the cannabinoids in in our brain endocannabinoids well you know i learned all this stuff from parents and family and that weed was bad and drugs are bad and this is both sides of the family, there are many, many alcoholics. So it was a pot calling the kettle black about addiction. Which we never, I no relatives ever offered to help me, by the way, to find us help or anything. They just get the hell out and we never want to see you again. That's how it ended and I've never talked to them since. Well, I was like, I tried weed a few times before 2013 never liked it it made me stupid it made me feel stupid and clumsy and i did not like it but 2013 i was really on edge and i tried it was reggie regular weed I took a few hits of it i shared it with somebody and i actually was surprised i felt better i don't know if they had to do maybe because of the fact that either a was probably crappy weed i smoked and B, I was on all those opiates. But I was surprised with how good I felt. Now, I did it a few times here and there at the nursing home because there was a lot of drug dealers and people were buying crack, heroin, you name it, they were buying it. Now, I left from that one to go to a nursing home to be near, closer to my mom. Yeah, we we're both in nursing homes. So that wasn't for physical and mental. She was there for mostly physical because she couldn't walk anymore. 
and she was constantly in and out of the hospital being sick. And I found, finally, I got my own place in 2014. And that was in August. And then a few months later in December, December 10th, 2014, my mom passed away. So that was difficult. Oh, that's another thing I was also addicted to, too, was benzodiazepines. My, my choice was clonopin. So first it was opiates and benzos. Then years later, it was just benzos because the psychiatrist kept me on them. And I just stopped those cold turkey too one day. And see, it wasn't until 2018 is when I started really, really learning more about cannabis. That is when my partner in crime came in my life, Melissa. She smoked cannabis for migraines. Now, we talked about it. I told her my experiences. She told me hers. And I was very intrigued because of the experiences she had. Well, like I said, you know, the one in 2013 was a decent, but this is what shocked me. So she told me she smoked a strain called sour diesel. And I'm like, what the hell is a sour diesel? And, you know, I thought all weed was created equal. No, when you start smoking and using, consuming, it's not all created equal. You feel all the strains have their own little effect. And it's really fun to try. Well, we we shared a bowl of sour diesel. I had one hit and I was gone because obviously my tolerance was way down because I didn't smoke really at all. So that's all it took. And I was, I was high for quite some time. It was really good stuff. And then after the high went down, I realized I was moving. I'm like, wait, my body still feels pretty decent. Because I tried living a healthier lifestyle in 2017. I, I was doing Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. I was eating healthier. I stopped smoking cigarettes. I haven't smoked a cigarette since 2017. And I was doing great. I was intermittent fasting, like I said, and doing all of this, and I was getting healthier. But then my body just kind of crapped out on me and said, nope. And I was in agonizing pain from then, that day on. I couldn't do my yoga anymore. Couldn't get on the floor. And like I said, it wasn't until 2018. And like I said, when I smoked it and the high went off, wore, wore off, and you just feel like the relaxing effects of it. I was like, holy crap. But when you come down, it's it's not it's not bad. You're actually good. Compared to pills, when you come down off pills, you start getting crabby and cranky and nasty because your high's wearing off and you need more. Yeah, when you smoke, you, if you want to hit up a little bit, you know, to boost yourself up a little more. Yeah, what the hell? But <laughs> compared to pills, man, oh, my God. And the withdrawal factor. There's basically no withdrawal from cannabis. Yeah, you might have insomnia. You might have some irritability because, obviously, the cannabis helps your mood. But with the opiates, the pills, for me, it was diarrhea, 
nausea, vomiting, insomnia, um, constant yawning, constant sneezing, constant watery eyes, constant irritability, always being tired. It was just a crap load. And I think I just got sick and tired too when I stopped cold turkey. I just got tired of the fact that I'm like, no, I, I can't do this shit anymore. I'm I'm in my 30s. I've been doing this way too long and I, I'm spinning my fucking wheels. So thank God I got off of that. And unfortunately this year I went back on them for a short time because I thought I wouldn't be able to get any medical cannabis because Melissa's dad passed away. We lived with him. Things are really tough right now. And there's going to be times where I won't be able to buy cannabis and it's going to suck because I'm going to be feeling like misery is just hovering over me because I could barely move without it. That's the thing. When I use cannabis, I could move and keep going. Like, I'm hoping to go back to work full-time. I'm hoping, praying to God that I will. I want to provide for Melissa and me. And I know as long as I use cannabis, I'll be able to. Because I do the independent delivery jobs like Amazon, uh, Flex, and Walmart delivery. And if I didn't have what I have, I also take Kratom, but I'll, I could always get into another time. Um, that's also a natural medicine. Coffee family, by the way, it's in the coffee family. But cannabis is the main thing that keeps me moving. Where I'm not thinking about the pain. Now, if I didn't have it, I would be constantly thinking about the pain over and over and over again. Because like I said, I would just be in nothing but complete misery. So this is a show by an amateur stoner on my view of how beneficial medical cannabis can be for people. No, you know, it's not for everybody because just like medications out there from big pharma, we all know those medications aren't right for everybody either. Well, we're not going to get into the whole big pharma discussion right now because, you know, I don't want to. This is, I want this to be an uplifting, fun show too, while we learn together. See, I want all of us to learn together, all of us amateurs, and even for you pros who want to hear the amateur side again, because I'm going to tell you, I am so excited about this plant, and I really want to get my foot in the industry, and I just want to learn anything and everything I can about cannabis, because of just how it, it changed my life. And in the second episode, before, you know, time runs out, you know, I think I have a little time. I, I have to mention this because this is one last point about cannabis before we end our first episode together. I had a wall from being homeless for so long, being hurt so many times from all the shit that I've been through. I didn't trust anybody. I was scared to love, you know, all that. Well, from me smoking, 
it brought down that wall because I felt things for Melissa that I've never felt for another woman before. And it was really liberating because when I smoke cannabis, it makes me put everything in perspective and it makes me actually stop to think, to actually pause and think without just a jerk reaction. And yes, I still have to work on myself as a complete human being. And I need therapy for that. And I still see a psychiatrist. And my doctors know, my psychiatrist knows, all my doctors know that I smoke cannabis because that's the best thing that helps my pain. And none of them have a problem with it, thank God. And if it wasn't for this plant, I know I wanted to do podcasts, but for the longest, I couldn't think of it. But thanks to talking to Robbie, this wonder, I, wonderful idea happened. Thank you, brother. Robbie, Sammy, I can't thank you guys enough. Limitless Broadcasting, thank you. This is such a fantastic opportunity. This is so exciting that I get to share my excitement with everybody out there listening. This is what's so cool. This is what I want to do. I want this to be interactive also. I want to hear from all you guys who take it recreationally, who take it especially medically. I want to hear your experiences, how you guys got started. Because that's why I love hearing about how you guys, how people got started smoking cannabis in the first place. See, this is how I started smoking cannabis. It was all a fluke. It really was. You know, it's all these what ifs come into play. But thank God, I don't have to ask those what ifs. Cannabis is in my life. I have a wonderful woman in my life. I'm slowly doing things that I want to do. And hopefully, I pray one day that I could go back to work full time and provide for my wife and myself. Well, we're not technically married, but I'm... We always call one another wife and husband. That's just how we feel about one another. And yeah, it's stressful right now. But thankfully, you know, we have our medication too to kind of ease it down a little bit. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, we still have to deal with real life. But for me, it just slows things down. Instead of everything in my brain going 100 miles an hour and I can't, it feels like a two freight trains going at at it head on you know and I, I go I'm like oh my god I'm about to lose it when it's like that but this slows it down where I can hop off for a minute and like okay let me think how do I stop this because everything's going in slow motion you know and it's like okay it's like trying to figure out everything to do this podcast look I'm very computer illiterate and in a short amount of time I learned quickly how to work video recordings on zoom and how to save them and how to send them like i said i'm computer illiterate because i was a i was not around technology for so long because of myself being homeless and always thinking about pills but now i'm able to stand back sit back and do this stuff and drugs is not on my mind now do i when i run out of 
cannabis, do I think about it? Yeah. Do I obsess about it? No. I don't go crazy if I can't get it. It's just the way it is. You can't get it. You can't get it. It's unfortunate. It sucks, but it's life. It's not like how the pills, you're you're going insane trying to figure out, how the fuck can I get them? How the hell can I get them? And that's how I was. I was just going like a madman figuring out how to get them. And even digging around the car and everywhere just to find one pill. It was sad. It, it, was, it was, you know, I lost. It's so funny because I lost a lot of things to opiates. But I gained a lot to cannabis. Ironic. And the funny thing is, like I said, I was never for cannabis until 2018 when I really started using it and I started looking everything up. I completely changed my fucking mind. I'm pro cannabis. And, you know, like I said, it's not for everybody. But hell, if you haven't tried it and you're suffering from certain mental health issues, or chronic pain, or God, one of the many other ailments it treats. Give it a freaking shot. It's trust me, it's worth it. Not all strains are created equal. Okay. Now, in episode two, I want to get into more describing of what sativas, indicas, hybrids are. I know we all mo basically know, but from I like explaining it from an amateur perspective and for someone who is so in love with cannabis now that I want to give my own little twist on explaining it. So that's that's going to be definitely on the next episode. But I want to thank all of you guys for listening. And Robbie, Sammy, thank you again. And until next time, guys. Thank you again for listening. And until we can learn and get lifted together, just keep on loving one another and keep those positive vibes going. That's all we can do. With love, guys, thank you for listening and thank you for giving me a chance. I promise you I won't let you down. Thank you, guys. Stay lifted. Amateur Stoner is a Limitless Broadcasting Company podcast hosted by Captivate. Producer, writer, and host, Philip Rossa. Executive producer and technical advisor, Robbie Brooksby. Intro, post-production, and audio editing by Sammy Brooksby. Follow Phil on Instagram at catsandcannabis78 and on TikTok at catsandcannabis. Cannabis.